Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and here we go. We are in 2 Kings 9 and 10, chapters 9 and 10. If you want to turn your Bibles to that, uh, if you're at home, you might want to just stop and read chapters 9 to 10, maybe even 8, 9, 10, uh, even verse chapter 11. I'm going to hit a little bit of all of that there and there, but you might want to stop and just read that. Also, if you have time, you might want to re-listen also to the August 18th, 2019 sermon, 1 Kings 19.15-18, God picks our presidents. And I talked about how God chose President Trump, and I said how he's going to choose the next president. And I said, you might like this one, and you might not like the next one, or vice versa. I, a little interesting uh, sermon there to listen to again. But today the title is Jehu, King Jehu Drains the Swamp. King Jehu Drains the Swamp, Second Kings 9 and 10. It's a hard passage today again. We're finishing up the life and ministry of Elisha. We already did Elijah. We're now doing Elisha. And this time is a hard time to talk about because we're approaching Israel's judgment. In a few weeks, we're going to be starting... Just hang on because in a few weeks, we'll be starting the book of Acts, which is about living in the Spirit's power and living in spiritual victory no matter what our, what's happening in our world. You're going to love it. Living in that victory, living in that power. Hang on, but we got to get through these couple chapters here first. First, we have to finish up Elisha and Israel's judgment, which is very scary for us because there are a lot of parallels with the United States today, the USA today, and it's no accident that God led me to preach on these passages years ago and, and it's no accident that finally hitting it at such a time as this. This passage today is shocking in its timing and connection to the USA today. Now, I need to say something also about preaching and connecting the dots to political events because I had a few complaints recently. In fact, just had a conversation yesterday with someone. I don't like how you talk about politics. Uh, but usually when someone says that to me, they're saying, I don't like... Uh, the, the politician, I don't like you criticizing my politician. <laughs> Someone I like. That's what they're usually saying. Someone who really gave, gives me the hardest time probably over the years about talking about politics. Uh, I'll never forget, always give me a hard time. And then one day I criticized a politician that she did not like. And I'll never forget, she came up after the service, giddy, oh, that was great, I loved it, loved it, loved it, it was wonderful. And that's a reaction I get a lot of times from people. They complain about me preaching about politics, but really they're complaining about me talking about their politician because if I hit someone that they don't like, they're thrilled with it. Uh, and I, I get that same response a lot of time. But as we will see today, God records lots of judgments on politicians and politics. First and second kings, which we've been preaching through the last several years. First and second kings, think presidents. <laughs> it's it's all about politicians. And you you can you know, and God's critique of the politicians and God's judgment or positive uh, response to those politicians, the kings that that are ruling Israel and Judah. And you can never listen to me. You can never separate politics from biblical morality. You, we always, as pastors, must deal with it when it crosses the line, crosses a biblical line. We must deal with it. Think of abortion. Many people over the years have said, you shouldn't talk about abortion. That's political. I go, it's not political. It is moral. It is spiritual. It is biblical. Child sacrifice. Thou shalt not kill. And child sacrifice all over the Bible crazy. Listen, I don't preach on gun control. I don't talk about the pipeline. I don't talk about taxes. I don't talk about
talk about the military. I might have opinions on those things, but those are not biblical issues. Those are not biblical issues. I don't talk about them. But, but what Satan tries to do is he tries to get us to politicize moral issues and then not preach them from the pulpit, like abortion. I know so many pastors are terrified to preach about abortion, when it's so clear, child sacrifice in the scripture, and it's clear that this is what's going to destroy our country. And, and Satan, listen, Satan doesn't want us to preach about anything biblical. He tries to politicize it and muzzle pastors. Dangerous, dangerous. The result is our country is facing imminent judgment because of that. Listen, so, listen, I'm going to talk about politics when it crosses the line because the Bible does that. First and second, kings. Remember that, okay? I also want to say something about political parties. Some have accused me of picking on the Democrats recently. <coughs> Uh, okay, guilty as charged. But if, but if you've been here long enough, you uh, know that I'm an equal opportunity preacher. I offend everybody sooner or later. But lately, I have hammered the Democrats because they have become completely anti-Christ. Uh, completely anti-Christ. There was a time when, when th- there were some really strong Christian leaders in the, polit- in the Democratic Party, but they were, I saw over time, the last 30 years, they were ostracized, they were marginalized, they were cast out, and, and now it, it's become completely anti-Christ. Just like in the Bible. You see in the Bible, just like in the Bible, Israel was way worse than, than Judah. Was Judah bad? Yeah, mm-hmm. But they had a good king, bad king, good king, bad king. Israel pretty much bad king, bad king, bad king. And, and they, they were way, way worse than Judah. And as a result, they were, Israel was judged much earlier than Judah was judged. And I, we see the same thing in America today. Although Judah was on a slippery slope and sooner or later they hit judgment too. Ultimately they were judged. But we see the same thing today. The Democratic Party is completely anti-Christ. We see the Republican Party slipping plenty. They're not perfect. 50-50 maybe. But it's better than 99 to 1 uh, on the other side. And, but, but the, the Democratic Party is gonna, is gonna be judged first. It's leading us to judgment first. The Republican Party, we know it's coming too for them too. We know that. But just like Israel and Judah, there is a difference, and, and that's why I hit one harder than the other. Because at least one's 50-50. I only have to hit them half the time. The other time is 99.9% now. It's crazy. So, now get ready. I'm going to warn you now. I'm going to offend everybody today. I don't care what party you're from. I'm going to warn. I'm going to offend everybody. That's what I get paid the big bucks to do. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit showing us how to apply it to our world today and to our country and most importantly, to our lives. I just pray that for your mercy and grace for the Spirit to do that through your word today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now remember, God, last time we saw that God had commanded Elijah and Elisha to anoint rulers for Israel's judgment. And last week we saw Hazael, the king of Aram. Uh, We saw that. Wait till you see who's next. And the par- parallel to the United States today, we saw last week, Hazael, wait till you say who's next. We already know it's Jehu, but wait till we see the parallel to today. Okay, so let's pick it up in 2 Kings 9, 1-10. <clears throat> the prophet Elisha 
summoned a man from the company of the prophets and said to him, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take this flask of oil with you and go to Ramoth Gilead. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi. Go to him, get him away from his companions and take him into an inner room. Then take the flask and pour oil on his head and declare, This is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and run, don't delay. So the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. When he arrived, he found the army officers sitting together. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which of us? asked Jehu. For you, commander, he replied. Jehu got up and went into the house. Then the prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You are to destroy the house of Ahab, your master, and I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the Lord's servants shed by Jezebel. The whole house of Ahab will perish. I will cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah. As for Jezebel, dogs will devour her on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and no one will bury her. Woo! So God gives this job to Elijah. We saw that last week. To and who then passes it on to Elisha, who then passes on this anointing to this young buck. He passes the buck to this young buck. Uh, apparently, no one wants this job. Why? Because well, timing. God's timing, obviously. But it's also very dangerous. And now Elisha is too old. He can't run fast enough after he does this very dangerous job because he's hunted the moment. Whoever does this is hunted the moment they do it. But the bottom line is that God anointed Jehu. He anointed Jehu to judge Ahab and Jezebel and Israel, all of them. The, uh, that's, that's why he was, was appointed and anointed. Then Jehu promptly, promptly begins to carry out the job that God has given him to, to carry out. He begins immediately to drain the swamp. He starts draining the swamp. We see in chap, uh, chapter 9, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 14. So Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, uh, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now Joram and all Israel had been defending Ramoth Gilead against Hazael, king of Aram. Connect the dots, Hazael last week. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds the Arameans had inflicted on him in the battle with Hazael, king of Aram. Jehu said, if this is the way you feel, don't let anyone slip out of the city and go to tell the news in Jezreel. Then he got into his chariot and rode to Jezreel because Joram was resting there and Hazael, king of Judah, had gone down to see him. <clears throat> okay, King Joram was wounded by whom? By Hazael, remember that? He escaped the sword of Hazael, but remember what the prophecy to Elijah was? You escaped, but God says you, Jehu's sword would finish the job, finish the job, and we are going to see that happen. Also, King Ahaziah of Judah is visiting him. They had an unholy alliance together, Judah and Israel. He had intermarried with Ahab's family. He fought against Hazael with him. The king of Israel, the king of Judah fought together. Unholy alliance. Uh, and so, so they're together and then brought together for such a per time as this. The lookout sees Jehu coming and reports it to the king. Second Kings 9.20. The lookout reported, he has reached them, but he isn't coming back. Talking about a messenger that was sent out to greet him. Uh, 
either. He isn't coming back either. The driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. <laughs> okay, uh, remember that word, madman. The guy, the guy that God anointed to carry out his judgments and to become the new king of Israel was a Mad man, alright? Crazy man. Reckless, crazy man. Now, Jehu drains the swamp in earnest. Look at verse 21, chapter 9, verse 21. The lookout reported, <clears throat> he has reached him, but he isn't re- Oh, no, I already read that one. Uh, hitch up my chariot, Joram ordered. And when he had hitched it up, Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, rode out, each in his own chariot, to meet Jehu. They met him at the plot of ground that had belonged to Naboth, the Jezreelite. Remember the murder? Uh, when Joram saw Jehu, he asked, Have you come in peace, Jehu? How can there be peace, Jehu replied, as long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abounds? Jo- Joram turned about and fled, calling out to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah! Then Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow pierced his heart and he slumped down in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar, his chariot officer, Pick him up and throw him on the field that belonged to Naboth the Jezreelite. Remember how you and I were riding together in chariots behind Ahab his father when the Lord made this prophecy about him. Yesterday I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, and I will surely make you pay for it on this plot of ground, declares the Lord. Now then, pick him up and throw him on that plot in accordance with the word of the Lord. See this madman fulfilling God's prophet, prophetic word. Verse 27, When Ahaziah king of Judah saw what happened, he fled up the road to Beth Hagen. Jehu chased him, shouting, Kill him too! They wounded him in the chariot on the way to, to Ger near Iblim, but he escaped to Megiddo and died there. Woo-hoo-hoo! And here we go. We're not done yet. Verse 30. Then Jehu went up to Jezreel. When Jezebel heard about it, she painted her eyes, arranged her hair, and looked out of a window. As Jehu entered the gate, he asked, Have you come in peace, Zimri, you murderer of your master? He looked up at the window and called out, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him. Throw her down, Jehu said. So they threw her down and some of her blood splattered the wall and the horses as they trampled her underfoot. Jehu went in and ate and drank. Didn't bother him one little bit, did it? Uh, Take care of, of that cursed woman, he said, and bury her for she was a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they found nothing except her skull, her feet, and her hands. They went back and told Jehu, said, This is the word of the Lord that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite. On the plot of ground at at Jezreel, dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's body will be like refuse on the ground in the plot at Jezreel so that no one will be able to say, This is Jezebel. Whoo, 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 whoo. We're not done yet. Still draining the swamp. Now there were a... Chapter 10, verse 1. Now there were in Samaria... I told you you're going to enjoy this one. Now there were in Samaria 70 sons of the house of Ahab. So Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria to the officials of Jezreel, to the elders and to the guardians of Ahab's children. He said, As soon as this letter reaches you, since your master's sons are with you, and you, you have chariots and horses, a fortified city and weapons, choose the best and most worthy of your master's sons and set him on his father's throne. Then fight for your master's house. But they were terrified and said, if two kings could not resist them, how can we? So the palace administrator, the governors, the elders, and the guardians sent this message to Jehu. We are your servants and we will do anything you say. We will not appoint anyone as king. You do whatever you think best. 
Then Jehu wrote them a letter a second time saying, If you are on my side and will obey me, take the heads of your master's sons and come to me in Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the royal princes, 70 of them, were with the leading men of the city who were rearing them. When the letter arrived, these men took the princes and slaughtered all 70 of them. They put their heads in baskets and sent them to Jehu in Jezreel. When the messenger arrived, he told Jehu, They have brought the heads of the princes. Then Jehu ordered, Put them in two piles at the entrance of the city gate until the morning. Verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. The next morning, Jehu went out. He stood before all the people and said, You are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed them. Uh, okay. Killed him. But who killed all these? Know then that not a word of the not a word the Lord has spoken against the house of Ahab will fail. The Lord has done what he promised through his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed everyone in Jezreel who remained of the house of Ahab, as well as his chief men, his close friends, and his priests, leaving him no survivor. Jehu then set out and went towards Samaria at Beth. Echad of the shepherds, he met some relatives of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and asked, Who are you? They said, We are relatives of Ahaziah, and we have come down to greet the families of the king and of the queen mother. Take them alive, he ordered. So they took them alive and slaughtered them by the well of Beth Echad. Forty-two men, he left no survivor. Verse 16, Jehu said, Come with me, and he's talking to, uh, he's talking to, Rechab, one of the, Israelites, he says, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Then he had him ride along in the chariot. When Jehu came to Samaria, he killed all who were left of Ahab's family. He destroyed them according to the word the Lord had spoken to Elijah. And then we see he doesn't even stop there. Verse 18, then Jehu brought all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, Jehu will serve him much. Now summon all the prophets of Baal, all his ministers and all his priests. See that no one is missing because I'm going to hold a great sacrifice for Baal. Anyone who fails to come will no longer live. But Jehu was acting deceptively in order to destroy the ministers of Baal. Uh, Let's see here. I'm going to go to... um, no, I'm going to have to read it. Jehu said, Call an assembly in honor of Baal. So they proclaimed it. Then he sent word throughout Israel and all the ministers of Baal came. Not one stayed away. They crowded into the temple of Baal until it was full from one end to the other. And Jehu said to the keeper of the wardrobe, Bring robes for all the ministers of Baal. So he brought out robes for them. Then Jehu and Jehonabab of son of Rechab went into the temple of Baal. Jehu said to the ministers of Baal, look around and see that no servant of the Lord's are here, only you, only ministers of Baal. So they went in to make sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had posted 80 men outside with a warning, if any one of you lets any of these men escape, I'm placing in your hands, it will be your life for his life. As soon as Jehu had finished making the burnt offering, he ordered the guards and officers, go in and kill them. Let no one escape. So they cut them down with a sword. The guards and officers threw the bodies out and then entered the inner shrine of the Temple of Baal. They brought the sacred stone out of the Temple of Baal and burned it. They demolished the sacred stone of Baal and tore down the Temple of Baal and the people used it for a latrine, have used it for a latrine to this day. That's a bathroom. Uh, so Jehu destroyed Baal worship in Israel. Destroyed it, Baal worship in Israel. Woo! One 
And one crazy result, I'm just going to read a few more verses here, one crazy result of Jehu's carrying out God's judgments was 2 Kings 11. In 2 Kings 11, verses 1 through 3, listen to the result of him carrying out this judgment. This is a result in, in Judah. When Athaliah, the daughter of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. But Jehoshabah, the daughter of King Jehoram and sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered. She put him and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah, so he was not killed. He remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. Then he ends up coming back and getting her. Uh, but more importantly, preserved the line of David, the line of Jesus Christ. Somebody had to be preserved. Israel didn't matter. They're all wiped out. Didn't matter. But, but Judah, David's line had to be preserved and he was preserved. Uh, the Messianic line preserved. We see that. But the result of this, the result of this is that uh, of all this killing and the killing of, of Ahaziah too, the result of it was that a woman became the queen. A woman became the president of, of Judah. And that was a sign of judgment. A queen ruling is a sign of judgment. History shows, talk to any historian, they'll tell you, women ruling a country is a sign of that country's weakening. Weakening. The day that you see a woman president in the United States will be the day that we're officially weakened. You can study history. You can say what you want about it, but historians all from all both sides admit this is true. But even worse, she was an evil queen. Not just a weakened, uh, weakened, but an evil queen. Connect the dots to the U.S. today. We could see the same in our country. An evil queen ruling this country. And it may not be very long. May not be very long. But back up just a little bit because there's just a couple more verses I have to read here. Wild, wild story. Second Kings ten, thirty one to thirty two. Yet Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. He didn't get rid of the golden calves, he got rid of Baal, but didn't get rid of the golden calves. Uh, he kept the, that sin, and as a result, he uh uh, let's see. Oh, let's see. I'm going to read that again. Uh, he did not turn away. Um, oh, what did God say to him? Oh, I want to read a little bit earlier. The Lord said to Jehu, because of this, because you have done well in accomplishing what is... I'm going to read verse... I'm starting with verse... Hold on. Verse 30. He says, since... <clears throat> let me make sure I read that. Start with verse 30. Let me just change my notes. Okay, verse 30, Since you did right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. The fourth generation. That's as far as it's going to go. Because <clears throat> yet Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. Uh, so, he only got to the fourth generation. Je Jehu carried out that judgment, but he also ended up being judged. He was limited to four generations of rule. Jehu got carried away. He didn't. This wasn't completely obedient. He got carried away. He cleaned house like he drove the chariot. He was a madman. We know from the rest of the passage, he got a big head and a big ego, and he did not listen to God. He did not keep himself humble before God. Hmm, who does that remind us of? Someone 
who do we know like that who has ended up limiting their rule? Four generations, four years? Hmm, well, it'll come to us. It'll come to us. Uh, let's connect the dots to the USA today. Let's connect the dots. We would have to be spiritually blind not to be able to connect these dots and to see the connection. Last week we saw Hazael was President Biden, but who is Jehu? Who is Jehu? President Trump. The good, the bad, and the ugly, he is President Trump. God anointed a madman to be our president for the last four years. And he did some really good things, just like Jehu did some really good things. So many good things, in fact, that many Christians <laughs> thought he was going to usher in the new golden age of America and, and, and turn out the, make America great again. That's what they thought. But that was never his Calling. You have to listen to last week. If you didn't listen to that, that was never his calling. Jehu, President Trump, like Jehu, was chosen by God to bring judgment on the USA today. And I've talked to Christians. Well, you, you know, Christians like what you mean, God? He's too mean. He's so mean. You know? Oh, you. Know, he God could never have chosen because he's so mean. Oh, you mean like Jehu? <laughs> Did you just hear what I just read about Jehu? <laughs> Nobody could be nearly as mean as Jehu, right? And, uh, and, and other, other Christians say, well, I just wish he wouldn't tweet. I, I like him, but he just wouldn't, he wouldn't tweet those mean things. He's doing his job. I told people that over and over. He's doing his job. He's dividing us. That's why he was called. Trump, President Trump's goal was to drain the swamp, but God's goal for Trump was to accelerate America's judgment. It is clear. He has divided an, he has divided our country. No. He has exposed the division in our country. He was used by God to dis, to expose that division that was already there. You see, division <clears throat> is a sign. Division is a sign of God's judgment. Look what happened to Israel and Judah, splitting apart because of idolatry. That's a sign of God's judgment. What are we truly divided over? Trump didn't divide us over this issue, but what are we truly divided over? It's over the sin of abortion. The sin of child sacrifice is the true dividing point in, our Amer in America today. Anybody who's really studying it objectively can see that clearly. And we are being judged just like Israel was. Child sacrifice is God's final straw, the last straw. God put Trump, President Trump, in office for his purpose to judge us and to expose the division and to divide us even further. Even him appointing a Supreme Court justice just before he was defeated in the election is one of the, was <clears throat> one of the main purposes that God gave him. Three justices and now we have a, a, a rational Supreme Court. We have a pro-life Supreme Court, uh, a pro-constitutional one, right? It, it's crazy. Crazy, right? That that it took this, but it, it now looks like Roe versus Wade. Roe's days are numbered. It's going to be overturned. It's going to be overturned, which will totally fracture the United States, just like slavery finally fractured the United States. When this happens, the United States will be completely fractured. We will no longer be the USA. The time is coming. We'll be the DSA, the Divided States of America. God, uh, we're already there. God. 
also used President Trump to divide the church in America. Because we have this big fat church, which is mostly counterfeit and a fraud. It, he, that's what we have. And God has used President Trump to separate the wheat from the weeds. That's right. The wheat from the weeds. He's doing, he's separating that. He has made it impossible for the church in America to ignore the murder of children. President Trump did this. Made it impossible to ignore the murder of children. And, and he's made a clear distinction between the Democrats and, 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 and pro-life Republicans, those that are, and, 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 and real Christians versus woke Christians versus awake Christians, truly awake Christians. God has used him to expose people that we thought were really Christians, even in our churches. Thought, I think they're pretty strong, but we, I've seen them conform. I've seen them catch the, the, the virus and conform to the world and, and support a pro-abortion candidate who's become our president. What does that show you? Anybody who claims to be a child of Jesus Christ, a Christian that could vote for someone who believes it's okay to kill a baby, anybody, that you are not a Christian. And if you are by some threat of a chance a Christian, then you have been conformed to this world. Either way, it's not a good look. You're, you're under judgment either way. You have conformed to this world if you're truly a Christian. And I talked to these people. I talked to one just yesterday. And I said, you know, he told me he voted for Biden. And I said, how can you as a Christian vote for Biden? That's sick. And he goes, well, I don't like Trump. I go, who cares? I don't like Jehu either, but God, this was God's job, right? And I say, would you have voted, I said, would you have voted for Biden if you believed slavery was okay? Oh, no, 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 I could never do that. Hypocrites. People always say that. So it's okay to vote for someone who thinks it's okay to murder babies, but not slavery. That's a joke. The people who claim this would have been supporting. Every one of them would have been supporting slavery. Every one of them. The Democrats. Listen, I'm gonna. I'm not picking on Trump. I'm gonna pick on the Democrats too. The Democrats who 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 claim to be you know for black people and and claim to be you know Lincoln is their guy and they claim to be that that party. They were the ones who fought Lincoln tooth and nail to keep slavery legal. The Democrats did all they could to keep slavery legal. Safe, legal, and common. That's what they did. Hypocrites. And now they're supporting killing of babies. They're on the wrong side of hell twice with this country in leading us on the path to hell. Hypocrites. God has divided the church, the, pulled the weeds out of the wheat. That's what he's done with using President Trump to do this. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. God has also, but not some, I'm going to offend everybody here. God has also exposed idolatry in the church using Donald Trump. Yes, that's right, idolatry. We have seen dependence on a man instead of on God in a very unhealthy way. People patriotically, passionately, politically supporting this guy no matter what. And, and I'm, I'm saying we shouldn't support certain things. We should. But, but it's gone to idolatry. Many Christians have embraced him as a born-again Christian. Oh, trying to convince me he's born again. Listen, he's no more of a born-again Christian than Biden is a real Catholic. <laughs> What's not go there, right? You know, you, he's, Biden is fraud, nothing like Amy Coney Barrett, who's for real. Uh, how about the media? Love, you know, love Biden's Catholic faith. Love his faith. That's because he's pro-choice and pro-abortion. But they were all over Amy Barrett. She was too radical because of her Catholic faith. 
You see the, 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 the hypocrisy. It's unbelievable. Yes, Trump, back to the idolatry of Trump. Yes, Trump is faith-friendly, and I appreciate much of what he has done. But like Jehu, like Jehu, he has gone too far at times, and it's important that we as Christians don't go with him there. With him. One great example is immigration. Immigration. Yeah, listen. We definitely need secure borders. The wall's great. All good. We need to secure our borders. No country. We cannot survive without secure borders. Duh. Anybody who's honest will admit that. Even President Obama said the same thing. Bush said the same thing. Clinton said the same thing, right? It, 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 that's a, it, it, the, the dishonesty now claiming, oh, well, you know, by the Democrats. I'm not even going to go there. But anyway, but, but <clears throat> Trump has gone too far. He's gone from securing the borders to hunting down illegal immigrants like animals. And listen, most of them came, the 10 million that are here, came under a different assumption, under a different system. When we weren't, didn't have secure borders, when we weren't protecting, when we weren't expelling people, and, and they came there and they become very hard workers and they become like citizens and hard workers and, and really a wonderful addition to our country. Now, I, I think... I think that, yes, we should expel the criminals, the gang members and people who break the law, definitely be expelled, illegal immigrants, expel them. And definitely secure our borders, but there should be a way for these people not to be hunted down. There should be a way to make a path to citizenship, or at the very least, work permits. Give them work permits. Let them live here legally. Because we need them. A, we need them, and I like them. They're wonderful people, and they're moral people. They're, they're religious, and, and most of them are either Roman Catholic or evangelical, and they're, they're pro-life, and, but we're, we've pushed them away, and we, we should be, we should not jump on this. All immigrants, even ones that aren't, didn't get here the right way, are evil. They came with, under a different assumption. We can't just buy everything Donald Trump says, President Trump says. Okay, but anyway, God has ex- exposed so much here. He's exposed the, 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 the fake Christians in the church using Trump. He's exposed the idolatry in the church using Trump. God is judging the USA today. He used President Trump and now he's using President Biden to take us a whole nother level of judgment. Just look at the executive orders. He's taken us a whole new level descending to hell, a whole new level. Now we have to look for the third anointing. The third anointing in First Kings 9, First Kings 19. Last week we saw it. First Kings 19. Listen to who he told to anoint. The Lord, verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back, talking to Elijah, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape from the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Woo! We have seen Hazael. We have seen Jehu. The third judgment that's missing is, is Elisha's sword. Elisha's sword. Now, Elisha didn't use an actual sword. He used the word of God. He preached judgment. And that is the next thing that we're going to hear. God is going to raise up a prophetic voice. An Elisha 
who's going to preach judgment, the final judgment of the United States of America. You're going to hear a prophetic voice do this. Mark my words, watch. Watch for Elisha's sword next. That will be the final judgment. God is judging the USA today. And he's refining his church in the same, with the same sword. Refining his church and judging our country. And both involve division. Both involve division. Will you be part of what side of that division? The ungodly? The conforming to the world? Or being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Will you be part of the remnant? Verse 19, 1 Kings 19 verse 8. 18, where it says, God says, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. There was a remnant. God was dividing a remnant to be saved. To be saved. Will we be part of that remnant? We must be ready for what's coming as a result of all this in our country today. We see this in God's Word. We see it happening in our country. It, it, we have to be re- prepared for what is happening. True Christians, not the fake ones, not the conformers, not the pro-choice ones, not, not the woke Christians. I'm talking about real disciples of Jesus Christ. We are now the enemy. We are now the enemy. We are now the haters because we speak the word of God. We say, yes, there is a boy and a girl. It's called, there is a gender difference. God created them male and female and he called it good. Yes, yes, homosexuality is wrong. It's a sin. And so is heterosexual sin. Any kind of sexual activity outside of a husband and wife is, will send you to hell. Don't be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. It can't get any more clear than that. That includes pornography, premarital sex, heterosexual, adultery, homosexual activity of any kind. It's sin. But saying these things... And divorce is wrong. It's, God hates divorce. He hates it anywhere. And He especially hates it in the church. He hates it. Who else can I offend? Listen, listen. You have to make a decision. Are you going to follow God's Word and believe God's Word and live for Jesus Christ or be conformed to the world? But if you do follow God's Word, you will be labeled a hater. You will be persecuted. We are going to be the enemies of the state. We no longer fit in here, in this world, in this country, which is the whole point. God is separating His people from the world. It has to happen. Jesus said it was going to happen. In John 15, verse 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. You get this? We must be hated. If you are not hated by the world, not because we're mean, not because we, we, uh, you know, we, we're like the world, but, but because we believe in Jesus Christ and we hold fast to His Word. If, if you are not hated, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. If the world likes you, guess who you belong to? We must be prepared to be hated, but still love our enemies. Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We still must do that, even though we're going to be hated, even though we're going to be persecuted. You, we must all pick a side. Every one of us is going to have to pick a side, the world side 
or Jesus Christ's side? What side are you on? What side are you on? There's only one way to get on Jesus' side, and that's put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever turned your back on the world and on sin and on Satan and on the flesh and put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can do that now. You can break free from sin, break free from the lies of this world and our country, our society, break free from Satan's power, break free from the fear of hell, the fear of death, because you can have life, eternal life in Jesus Christ right now by putting your faith in Jesus, the simple but powerful prayer of faith right now, wherever you are, right now. God knows our heart. The simple prayer, God, I repent. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from the world. I ask you to forgive me. Please forgive me. Wash it away. Wash away my shame. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. I know He died on that cross for me to take my sin, to wash me in His blood. I put my faith in Him, my trust in Him. I give my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, the Holy Spirit is actually living inside of you right now. And you will never be the same. You will never live the same. You will never think the same. You can no longer go back to sin and enjoy it ever again. You'll be miserable now. Even more miserable now. Because the Holy Spirit is living in you and you are a new person in Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And I just want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend or a work colleague or somebody at school or someone you know is a Christian or you know of a good church nearby, you can let them know. Or if you don't know anybody to tell, then email me, nhcc at comcast.net. Let me know and I'll connect you. I'll be excited for you and connect you. I'll help you grow spiritually. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we prepared for what is coming? Are we living in victory by the power of the Spirit? Living by faith now in the small tribulation so that when the real tribulation comes, we'll be, have the spiritual muscle to keep standing strong. 
How has the world squeezed us? How have we conformed? How do we need to transform? Maybe it's something that we're doing, some way we're thinking, some way we're living. Father, I pray that every one of us, every one of us, would be living for Jesus Christ. We would be salt and light in this increasing dark country that we live in, this dark world that we're living in. People would see the power of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ in us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. You might have to listen to this one twice. It's a lot there, huh? All right. God bless.